All right, all right. Welcome back to another episode of The View. I'm your host, Star Jones. Let's uh, get right into it, shall we? Um, no reason to... Let's not stand on ceremony. Um, so, first topic for the day. Ba, 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 ba. Um, officials in southern Louisiana are investigating after a woman who was found in the freezer of an Arby's restaurant police say i read that really fucking weird <laughs> taking weird pauses um little captain kirkish i know but oh well um so yeah an employee was found dead in the freezer of a louisiana arby's and might i say this is no surprise <laughs> they got to get that roast beef somehow <laughs> oh my god look i will say man do i love arby's and i will go get a reuben from arby's like if i if i'm left to my own devices which i try to you know be somewhat um kind of toned down in the last uh you know couple years trying to get shit situated i just lied um not the last couple of years. Who the fuck am I fooling? I mean, I did quit drinking, but like, you know, food-wise, it's really been like the last couple of months. Trying to, you know, tighten uh, tighten the ship up a little bit. I will eat Arby's three... I will have three squares a day from Arby's if I am left um, to my own devices. And there being a the possibility of a dead body... Anywhere around my Arby's Reuben is not going to stop me one bit. They could literally pull out that frozen fucking body, start shaving, <laughs> start shaving meat right off the arms and legs, and I'll still be like, "Hey, I mean, as long as I get my curly fries, I'm fucking, I'm digging in." You know, brings up an interesting point. Like, would you eat a human being? Um. I think I would. And I don't think it would actually take much. I don't think it would take much convincing, to be honest. Like, literally, I would eat a fro. I would eat a human being if, that was put into an Arby sandwich. And probably not feel that weird about it. Granted, what's normally in an Arby sandwich is probably way worse <laughs> than some fucking Louisianan who, uh, you know, ended up in the freezer. I have done something actually kind of similar to this. So, first job I ever had for about three months is I worked at Subway. Um, eat fresh. And I used to, well, me and a few other people, just for shits and gigs, would see who could take turns staying in the freezer the longest. <laughs> and winter didn't really get shit. You just kind of were the one who could tough it out. I was the fucking king of that game. One time, I stayed in the freezer so long. Well, basically, I stayed in the freezer and ate damn near an entire box of cookie dough. Felt great. Came out of freezer. The people who I was playing the game with forgot I was ever <laughs> forgot I was in the freezer. My look down, my phone was frozen solid. Probably shouldn't have left it 
on you know my person when I went into the freezer, but I figured I'd be in there for a while, so I thought you know might as well fire up the old uh, P hub. But um, yeah, I mean I stayed in that freezer for a very long time. Don't even know how long it was. Um, I actually really kind of miss that job. I miss having just a job that you don't have to give a fuck about. I mean, I guess in a sense, <laughs> that's what I'm doing now. But what well, I mean, I like the amount of not giving a fuck that could be found in that you know Subway restaurant was amazing. Like none of us gave two shits about anything. I mean, we were stealing so much stuff from that place. Not money, but, I mean, if I had to, like, I mean, I think we actually did try to, like, figure it out one time, because, like, the discount was bullshit. And so, like, yeah. I mean, when you're there, you're just going to eat sandwiches all fucking day. I mean, I probably ate close to two grand worth of Subway sandwiches. Or not just me by myself, but, like, the group of us. Probably ate at least two grand worth of Subway sandwiches. Oh, my God. It's still to this day my favorite fast food. If you consider Subway fast food, which, I mean, I mean, I guess I do. But, yeah, will always be probably my favorite. Man. Um, But, yeah, so if you were in an Arby's in Louisiana... Ask for some of the uh, <laughs> ask for some of the meat from the back. Uh, let's see. Next up. Um, so, it has been announced that Will Ferrell is set to play John Madden in a is it biopic or biopic? Because I think I say it one of the two ways. Like I say it biopic half the time and biopic half the time. Because I'm not 100% sure which it is. So I'd rather be, you know, give myself a 50-50 shot of not sounding like a complete jag-off. This is going to be a fucking shit show. (laughs) I mean, as a lifelong Raiders fan, an all-around fan of John Madden, I mean, what is... You know, he didn't have, like, the most interesting life. Like, I watched that John Madden documentary and... It's like, yeah, I mean, this is pretty fucking boring. And I don't know if this is going to be a comedy version of his life or like a real version. I don't know. I don't know shit about this. This is had just kind of come out that Will Ferrell's going to play John Madden. I mean, the voice is going to be is the hardest thing. Like, John Madden's voice is such a hard one to try to get down. I, I don't see this being good at all and to be honest Will Ferrell hasn't made a fucking good movie in in a long time so I don't know I guess we'll see what happens but maybe um alright so next uh, a school district in Dallas has drawn backlash after giving elementary school students a Winnie the Pooh themed book that teaches children how to run, hide, and fight in dangerous situations like a mass shooting with no note or instructions for parents. <laughs> the book is called Run, Hide. It's called Stay Safe, Run, Hide, or Fight. <laughs> Look. <laughs> I have to get my hands on this book. I I mean, I'm sure that I can find it online. I have got 
is let me let me see. There's got to be a way that I can find what's in this book. Because if it's if it is wait, what was it called? Run, hide, or fight? Run, hide, fight book. I mean, this is fucking wild. Uh, it's not bringing anything up. I'll figure it out. But either way, this is the funniest shit I've ever heard in my life. And, man, <laughs> the, just <laughs> the imagining, like, Piglet finally just over all this bullshit and just strapping up in fucking tactical gear. <laughs> and Winnie the Pooh just, like, fucking hearing shots from down the hall like <laughs> oh piglet oh no <laughs> he, he's gone mad <laughs> and then fucking christopher robin just getting his goddamn brains blown out oh my god this school year the <laughs> the hundred acre woods will be will be caked in blood <coughs> oh my god God is the greatest thing ever. Like imagining the Hundred Acre Wood turning into just a fucking massacre. Having Piglet and fucking Tigger dressed up in like goddamn trench coats. (laughs) Oh my God. Piglet's had enough of your shit. Uh, Yeah, this is incredible. I got to get my hands on this book. If anybody knows like where I can find it in the three seconds that I spent looking for it, I couldn't find it. And that's probably all the time that I'm going to devote to getting it. But if somebody knows where I can find this book, it says is in this picture. If the picture is correct, it's stay safe. And then there's some words that says run, hide or fight. That is incredible. That you're giving kids a book, teaching... Look, best way to do it was my is my uh, how I kind of handled it in school. And that was to always just kind of be sort of nice to the kid that you expected to be the, <laughs> the one to show up with a gun. So that if he comes by your classroom, he'll see you and go... And then just keep walking. That's the hope. <laughs> I mean, you ain't going to outrun a fucking bullet from an AR-15. Probably not going to happen. So you might as well just be maybe slightly nice to the kid. Any kid who has any kid that you can see the top of his pupils when he's just normal, that's the kid you need to be looking out for. Because every fucking mugshot of these dudes, I mean, it is just like open eyes, like staring right at the camera. If you can spot that motherfucker and be, you know, well, yeah, I mean, you don't gotta fucking, like, be best friends with the dude. But just, like, talk to him every once in a while. It will probably save your life. That's what should be in this book. It should be, and actually, to be honest, the one who's most likely to shoot up a school out of anyone in the Hundred Acre Wood is uh, Eeyore. That fucking suicidal bastard is 100% <laughs> gonna be the one who just gets fucking fed up. Like... I've had it. 
<laughs> I'm telling you, Pooh Bear, I've had it. One more time. All it'll take is one more time. <laughs> oh my god, just imagining him. <laughs> just in the cafeteria fucking unloading. Oh man. Like, you should have been nicer to me, Pooh. That's what's going to happen. My God. Well, you know, best of luck to all the kids out there. <laughs> Hopefully this book will uh, save your life. I think you have a better chance of, like, putting the book in front of your face and hoping that that blocks the goddamn uh, bullet. But, oh, well. Oh, my God. This. So, another thing. So, from last episode, where the the bacon bullshit, this one came across the old... Uh, feed and it's uh three kern on the cob and it asks you um sorry asks you which one is like which way of biting into a cob is the way you do it a b c a is just the you know cartoon method the like that b is you're rotating in a circle like c is the way a fucking schizophrenic would eat corn on the cob, where you're just taking random bites out of the cob. Now, me personally, I like sitting the cob on the table and eating it long ways, but uh, <laughs> that's just in private. If you do see, you need to, you need to be locked up. Like the, oh god! I mean, I don't know. I mean, I do have a little bit of obsessive compulsive. Uh, disorder, probably, I don't know, I'm diagnosing myself here, but C bothers me so fucking much. Looking at this right now is making my goddamn skin crawl. And, man, I, ugh, God. A, so for the record, A is how I eat it. Actually, I kind of do a combination of A and B. So I'll go like halfway down the cob, and then start rotating and have half done and then do the same thing with the right half. As I'm saying this out loud, that sounds kind of fucking psychotic. <laughs> Most of my habits are very odd. Um, like I also eat, like whenever I eat a meal, I always eat the sides first. Um, I've always been like that. And a lot, most people find that to be very strange. Like whenever, so like if I go to, um, Carl's Jr., I'm eating fries first. I never eat, like, I hate eating something, putting it down, and then grabbing something else. I fucking hate it. Like, I like eating everything in, and, like, if there's more than one side, I'm eating each side by itself first. So, like, Thanksgiving, I, you know, it is a shit show. Like, because it's fucking ten sides, and I will eat each one individually and then eat the, uh, you know, ham, turkey, whatever the fuck. Dead body from Arby's. Um, I, yeah, it's very, like, like, I have to do things in a, just a fucking certain way. I don't know if that's a OCD. Maybe it is. Um, I think, it, I thought it was pretty fucking normal to do that, to be honest. Um, until, like, somebody saw me, they were like, why the fuck do you eat your fries first? Like, because uh, it's the side it's the fucking, 
I don't know, it's the fucking small thing. Like, why Why would you... And then I see them, they're like, take a bite of burger, put it down, eat a couple fries. Like, you're a fucking psychopath. Like, that is not... That's not fucking happening. Once something is in my hands, it has to be eaten. So, burger is not... Once I'm picking it up to take a bite, I'm not putting it back down. That could explain... <laughs> that could explain a lot. But that's the way I am. So, I don't know. I'm, you know, it's working out well so far. Regardless, A or B is acceptable. C, unacceptable. If it's C, you know, the best of luck to you, but I don't think things are going to work out for you, you know, in the long run. So, there's that. Next. Ah, uh, here we go. So, here's the... the uh, 15 movies that are going to absolutely suck a fat one. So this is every upcoming live action Disney remake that is in development. We have, okay, so the Snow White, which isn't there already like five of those? And they all sucked at, let the record show. Um, damn near every one of these live action remakes has been fucking terrible. Beauty and the Beast, not too bad. This this fucking Lion King movie is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. And the original, you know, as a uh, dichotomy, the original is one of my favorite movies. I know that I am fucking 30 years old and should probably grow up a little bit, you know, fuck off. Um, I love the Lion King. I have always been fucking, I've always loved Lion King ever since I was a little kid. Still do to this day. I was actually really fucking excited to see the, um, the live action remake. Cause like the cast I thought was pretty okay. God, it was the most just lifeless, boring shit I've ever seen. Like you can't make a movie with live action animals and have, like, well, one, animals don't really show emotion the way people do. If you do it in a cartoon, you can make them smile, you can make them look scared. Or in the case of the Lion King, you can make them look like they're about to, you know, you can make them have, like, fuck me eyes <laughs> with Elton John playing in the background. This one, God, it was so bad. And so... Alright, so Snow White, gonna be dog shit. Lilo and Stitch, I've never seen Lilo and Stitch. Mufasa the Lion King, fucking terrible. Uh, don't want that. Moana, never seen it. Hunchback of Notre Dame, kinda alright with. Um, if they get a... Uh... <laughs> I'll, I'll be okay with the Hunchback of Notre Dame if they get a... Uh, fucking Lena Dunham to play Quasimodo. Um, Aristocats... Only if they have the one Chinese cat. <laughs> if they get rid of that racist fucker, <laughs> then I'm out. The one I'm actually probably the most excited for. Actually, there's two on here that I'm the most ex that I'm super excited for. Hercules. If they don't completely fuck this up, I think I have been wanting a Hercules like live action for a long time. If they make it like. If it's done right, that Hercules movie could be really fucking good. Uh, and then the other one that I think I mean, I'd be excited for is Sword in the Stone. Now, all this being said, uh, 
they're probably all going to be bad. I'm sure that when I watch Hercules, I'll be very disappointed. Same for all, every one of these. I will probably watch all of them. I did think Cruella was actually not too bad. Um, what the fuck is Tink? Isn't Tink... Tink? Tinkerbell. Oh, okay, 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 never mind. Well, who gives a fuck about that? Uh, Bambi. A live-action Bambi is going to be goddamn tra- traumatizing. <laughs> if they... <laughs> God. Um... Aladdin 2, the first Aladdin sucked ass, and if Will Smith's in it, definitely not watching it. Robin Hood, I mean, there's already about 12 of those. Um, If it's not Kevin Cosner, then I ain't into it. The Black Cauldron would be pretty fucking awesome. The Black Cauldron is one of the most terrifying kids' movies ever. Snow White is up there, too. Snow White always fucking scared the shit out of me as a kid. Um, like whenever she turns into the old hag. And it's also, it was Hitler's like favorite movie. So that adds a little bit to it, I think. Um, but yeah, the black cauldron is pretty fucking awesome. So there's some on here that I guess I'd be pretty excited for, but for the most part, I mean, I just, I know they're all going to be like Disney fucking sucks now. I don't know, man. I, maybe this will be good, maybe not. I, we'll see. Let me know which one you think is going to be the best, I guess. I don't know. Or just comment and tell me that I'm a piece of shit like uh, <laughs> like I have been getting. So, um, Oh, my God. Twizzlers versus Red Vines. There is one answer to this. If you say Red Vines, fuck yourself. Red Vines are the most disgusting shit. So the first time I ever had Red Vines, I thought it was Twizzlers. Like, I obviously knew the name was different, but I thought it would be just taste the exact same as a Twizzler, which I, Twizzlers are one of those candies that in my head, I fucking love them. And then I eat like one stick of it and immediately think, you know, this is not as good as it was in my head. <laughs> but I will get Twizzlers. Tw- I will get Twizzlers every time I go to the movies. Like, if I'm going to get, um, you know, popcorn. If I'm going to go all out. Which I haven't done in a long-ass time. I probably will to go see Oppenheimer. Because I'm so fucking excited for that movie. So I will probably go all out popcorn drink uh, candy. And the candy that I get. Every time is Twizzlers. And then I end up basically spending $15 for a giant pack of Twizzlers that I eat three things out of and then throw it all away because it's fucking unbearable to try to eat a, an entire pack of Twizzlers. Red Vines taste like you're eating a goddamn red candle. Like, I ate a whole red candle. <laughs> like, it is so fucking gross and waxy. I mean, it... Ugh. God, red vines are like, it's like black licorice. Like it's shit that old people ate because it was all there was. Like if you were to go back in time, let's say to the fifties and give like a pack of sour Skittles to someone, I mean, their eyes would probably pop out of their fucking skull. Like, they're sitting around eating this flavorless bullshit or eating black licorice, which tastes like a punishment. And, yeah. 
let, if you if Red Vines is your favorite, let tell me because I am fucking curious to find if there is anyone. I think they just make Red Vines. Whoever owns Red Vines must have like some shit on people, or like he must have like Epstein's black book or something, and he's just using it <laughs> as blackmail to be able to keep producing fucking Red Vines. I I don't know. Watch Red Vines is like the cure for cancer or some shit. If it is, if I if it turns out that Red Vines cure cancer, I'm gonna die a slow, painful death. Alright, next. Um Oh boy. Martin Scorsese announces film about Jesus after meeting Pope Francis. <laughs> Look, he's already done this. So I don't if you don't know, Martin Scorsese in nineteen eighty seven maybe made a movie called the last temptation of christ which is a fucking amazing movie willem dafoe plays jesus which on paper is the funniest sentence ever written but (laughs) willem dafoe does play jesus um harvey keitel i think is judas and david bowie's in it david bowie is pontius Pilate, i believe it's been a minute since i've seen it Less Temptation of Christ is a fucking incredible movie. The only way that this is going to be good is if, <laughs> is if like, there has to be a scene where the piano part from Layla is playing in the background, preferably during the crucifixion. If during the crucifixion Jesus is like, you motherfucker, <laughs> then I will be happy to see it. If you have Joe Pesci play Jesus, oh my God. God, I will be obsessed with like, you motherfuckers. Like that is, that's what I want. If Scorsese is making another movie about uh, Christ himself, who knows? Maybe it'll be good. I just um, can't say that necessarily. I have like high hopes, but I don't know. Scorsese probably doesn't have much time left. So he's probably just trying to get in good with the, uh, (laughs) getting good with the fella upstairs. So he's over there hanging out with the Pope and, Saying, like, oh, I'll make a movie about Jesus. Pope Francis is probably super fucking skeptical. He's like, oh, no. <laughs> like, uh, we all saw what you did the last time you made a movie about Jesus. But, um, oh, well. I'll still see it, obviously, because it's fucking Scorsese. He's the, quite possibly the greatest director of all time. Let's do one more before we move on to uh, the uh, stories for the day. Um... So, uh, Writers Guild strike still going on. Uh, I know just as little about it as I did (laughs) a couple weeks ago when I talked about it. But I did see that Weezer joined the uh, WGA picket line Wednesday afternoon outside of Paramount Studios in Los Angeles to uh, sing Beverly Hills at the Writers' Strike. Let me tell you something. Weezer must be working for the uh, production companies because, <laughs> because there is no song that I would want to hear less after. I mean, so you're already there fucking holding your dumbass little sign, walking around in circles. No one gives a shit. And so you're probably already, I would say, a little stressed. And now you have to hear fucking Weezer singing the worst song ever made. live in your face and it's probably loud as shit and god damn I mean I hate Weezer in general uh, 
but that I mean that song to me is nails on a fucking chalkboard. So I mean it would be the quickest way for me to just drop my sign and say, "Hey, good luck to the rest of you. I'm going home." God, Weezer, what a man! I scumbags. <laughs> All right, so. That's it for the news. Let's go through. I got three pretty good stories here. Um, that I think you'll all find pretty interesting. Let me just get that pulled up real quick. Get my notes. Because God damn. God forbid I say one thing slightly inaccurate. Holy shit. Just so everyone knows. These aren't meant to be like 100% accurate. They're accurate enough. That's how history works. What you learn about history in some way is never going to be completely accurate. You are getting somebody's version of somebody's version of somebody's fucking version. Um, So this is just my version. Sorry if I want to make it sound a little more interesting than what you would read in a, you know, some just fucking lifeless book about X. You know, fucking sue me. Um, first story involves the 1970s television show The Six Million Dollar Man with uh, the character Steve Austin. What? Um, so during the making of Six Million Dollar Man with Steve Austin, what? The crew was filming an episode called, let me see, Carnival of Spies. When they were filming this episode, Carnival of Spies, they went to this like kind of shitty old west amusement park to film one of the, to film the episode while they are there there's like these wax figures everywhere that to make it you know dressed in old west attire blah 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 one of them is one that's hanging who you know had just committed some crime and is being punished so they're like all right, well, we got to move this fucker out of here. So they grab the wax figure to move it out. When the crew member grabs the wax figure to move it, its arm falls off. And when they look, (laughs) there's a bone under the arm, which typically (laughs) does not happen (laughs) with wax figures, unless you're watching, you know, the movie with Paris Hilton. But, yeah, so arm falls off. Guy looks like... Oh, fuck, that's a goddamn bone. So then they find out that this is not a wax sculpture of a person from the Wild West. This is a mummy, a fucking legitimate dead body. And so they're immediately like, what? <laughs> Directors immediately like, oh, that's a wrap. <laughs> a wrap for the day. Um, and so they're trying to figure out, like, who the f- How is there a dead body? How long has this thing been here? How did it get here? So... The dead body is actually the body of the... It's the corpse of a guy named Elmer McCurdy. So Elmer McCurdy is the fucking corpse. He was a Old West outlaw, train robber, who died in 1911. So this episode is being filmed in 1976. So it's what, 65 years later? So this guy has been dead, covered in wax for... Over half a century. What happened was is that when his body, like after he died, his corpse was put on display 
as like a touring sideshow attraction. Like, come see the body of the bandit, Elmer McCurdy. They actually, it was pretty common back then to do that with like dead outlaws. Like, I think they even did it. I think they did it with Jesse James. Like, it's it's very common to like just put a corpse into a fucking pine box and just ship them around the country so people can come see a dead body. Uh, something I kind of wish they still did today, but you know, uh, it's the old, it's the snowflake generation. So, <laughs> so they go, they bring um, body all over the country, and then eventually they're like, all right, people have had enough of just seeing this rotting fucking corpse. So they sell the body to the person who owns the Hollywood Wax Museum, and then this person buys the body. Uh, you know, further mummifies it, covers it in wax, and it becomes, I think, just kind of left in storage and then eventually sold to Pikes, which Pikes was the name of the amusement park and is a hanging attraction at Pikes for, you know, a decade or so until uh, the filming of The Six Million Dollar Man with Steve Austin. What? And that's it. So... Dead body. My God. Uh, Next story is, so this is a name everyone should know. Nobody knows who Elmer McCurdy is. Most people in today's world, I'm sure, do not even know who the $6 million man Steve Austin is. What? But um, the next guy, everyone I'm sure knows the name, at least the last name, P.T. Barnum. So P.T. Barnum. Obviously, circus pioneer. Um, I think, I mean, they just shut it down, I think, or was that Ringling Brothers? Because there is the Barnum. So, P.T. Barnum, circus pioneer, uh, eventually has like the Barnum and Bailey Circus, which, if you live in any shithole city in the country, that's like your big attraction of the year is the fucking Barnum and Bailey Circus is coming around, and you can go see elephants and bears just. That are just getting the shit beat out of them. <laughs> and it's like, all right. Um, so P.T. Barnum is typically remembered as being like this great showman. Um, basically like the inventor, pioneer of modern American entertainment. Like that is, that's how most people, if you know the name P.T. Barnum, that's how you would know P.T. Barnum. P.G. Barnum was a fucking monster. An absolute psychopath. So, for one, one of P.G. Barnum's, like, big things that he would do is basically just try to figure out ways to trick people into coming to his... Like, P.G. Barnum would have these, like, places that were, like, um... I mean, basically like a a building filled with like sideshow attractions and all this bullshit. And it would all be a scam. Everything. So P.T. Barnum was like one of the biggest like scam artists of his day. The way he would scam people is fucking genius. So like one is he had this guy that he paid, you know, I mean, it was a dude who was, you know, broke as shit. He paid this guy an okay amount of money to take five bricks, put those five bricks like in a line down the sidewalk, and then keep moving the back one to the front, the back one to the front, the back one to the front, and just keep doing that all day, all day moving it. 
And people eventually are like, what the fuck is this guy doing? So they start gathering around because it's, you know, like the 1830s and nobody has shit to do. So they're watching this guy moving bricks just back to front, back to front, back to front, all the way down the sidewalk. And it's leading to this building. So people are like, what the fuck? Then he eventually takes all the bricks into the building and by now has this giant crowd of people being like, oh, well, we can't fucking leave it at this. We got to go see what he's doing in there. That building is P.T. Barnum's old sideshow attraction building. And so he basically just tricked, you know, a couple hundred people to paying to go into this building to see what would happen with the bricks. Nothing happened with the bricks. The dude goes, sits in another room, gets, you know, whatever fucking snack people ate in the 1830s, probably a fucking handful of cabbage. I don't know. And that's one way he tricked people. He also used to, he did one thing where it was, um, come see this animal. I believe the, the animal, animal he called, let me actually look, uh, let me see. Cause this is actually pretty fucking hilarious. Um, I guess that's what it was. Um, so he had uh, this one attraction that he called like the egg, the egress, I believe is how he called it, or the egrius or something like that. He had this word, this bird, um, like just plastered everywhere, and come see this crazy looking fucking bird. And it was apparently like this this giant ten foot monster bird, um, and it would say like, "It's this way, it's this way, it's this way," and it had this word that was the name of the bird, and he had it, and well, the bird is the word. He had the bird word on just these signs everywhere, like this way, this way, this way, this way, and kept having it go through all these walls and shit. And then eventually you would open a door and be outside of the building and think like, oh, fuck, like I I made a wrong turn somewhere. So you would go back, they would charge you another, you know, 25 cents to go in and you would try to do the whole thing again to try to find this giant fucking monster bird. That The word that was next to that bird was just the word exit in a different language. So you were literally following an exit sign all the way through this winding, you know, hallways and shit just to exit the building and then, you know, get scammed. So that's P.T. Barnum. Now, granted, that's all kind of piece of shittery. This story is fucking horrible. So while P.T. Barnum is having this, you know, traveling circus filled with all these sideshow attractions in like the 1820s, I believe. Yeah. He buys a slave, like an actual slave named Joyce Heth. So buys a slave from a slave owner. And she's just this very, very old African woman from Madagascar who has been a slave basically her entire life. P.T. Barnum buys her to make her a sideshow attraction. And what, how they advertise her in the attraction is that she is the 161-year-old nanny of George Washington. 
that she, in fact, was George Washington's nanny when he was a child, and she is 161 years old. And people around the country fucking believed it. Because, like we fucking find out with every story from history, people were really goddamn stupid back in the day. So they all come out to see and they're like, oh my god, this woman's 161 years old. She's not. She's like 60. <laughs> She's like 60 or 70. Um, so she ends up just getting, you know, shown around as this sideshow attraction and eventually dies. P.T. Barnum, super pissed that she's dead because now, well, fuck, I'm not going to be able to make any money off of her, decides, well, all right, let me give one last, uh, <laughs> one last hurrah and get whatever money I can get out of this woman. So he decides to do a public autopsy of her to show people basically what the organs of a 160-year-old woman are like. And tons of people show up and pay to watch this public autopsy. And yeah. So when you watch that fucking great showman with Hugh Jackman and he's smiling and singing and dancing, just remember <laughs> that dude was a fucking monster. So one more story and then we'll wrap it up. So this one involves in uh in 1944 during World War II in Japan off the sea of Japan there was a plane actually rewind so during World War II Japan and the Japanese military were doing horrendous shit to people like brutal brutal shit to everyone they came across they also had no food like the japanese government the emperor was and what whatever they call like their the military leader i think there's like an actual name for it but the leaders of japan were not doing shit as far as providing food for japanese soldiers so desperate times desperate measures we're going to start eating people. And, and that happened a lot during World War II with the Japanese army. Is that they would find they would capture people, keep them alive, and just every once in a while, when they were hungry, go up and cut off a piece of their body, cook it, and eat it. And that happened a lot. So there's that going on. Um, there's even a story of them like in Manchuria like eating like a small girl. Like, I mean, they were eating people all the fucking time because they had no food. Nobody was giving them food. Um, and so like American POWs were one of the biggest groups getting eaten by the Japanese military. There is a story that in 1944, an American plane crashed uh, near this island off the coast of Japan. And there were nine people on this plane that were in the crash. Eight of them got captured and taken onto the island by the Japanese military. So eight out of the nine get captured. Out of those eight, four of them get eaten. They are cannibalized by the Japanese military. They had their livers cut out, eaten, in front of the other four. So they're fucking dead. 
The one person who survived said capture was a 20-year-old named George Herbert Walker Bush. <laughs> yeah, that one. So the for, who would become the president of the United States before he was ever president was this fucking close from having his liver cut out and eaten by the Japanese military. Fucking wild. Um, and then, you know, obviously would go on to cause 9-11 and all that stuff. So maybe should have been eaten. I don't know. <laughs> all right. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Um, I've taken up enough of everyone's time. Um, thanks for watching. See you next week.